All right, Acts 13, 36 says, For David, after he served, after he had served his own generation, by the will of God, he fell asleep. For David, after he served his own generation by the will of God, God's got a purpose for you in this generation. And you are not to fall asleep, you are not to die until you discover the purpose of God in this generation for your life. And it's not just to wake up, go to work, come home. It's not just to take up space, go through motions, but God has a specific purpose, like he had for David in his generation. David was called as a mighty king to set up his son for a realm of peace that would govern all of Israel. God had a very specific plan for David. I want you to know today that each and every one of us have a calling from God for this generation. This generation needs you. Yeah. Say with me, this generation, this generation needs me. Needs me. Say it again, this generation, this generation needs, me. needs me. I am needed. I am yes, I am. yes, I am. For David, after he served his own generation, by the will of God, he fell asleep. And serving encapsulates a whole lot of stuff and we're going to hear about it over the next few weeks. But I want you to understand that there is a holy calling from God for you to serve the generation that you live in. Now turn with me to Luke 1.17. God began to speak to me after I came out of hospital. I had an operation and I was a little bit delirious and I went to bed at night. And the Lord began to wake me every hour or two with a new point. I'd write it down on my phone and fall back asleep. I'd have an encounter with God then wake up again and he'd speak to me. And I believe that God wants to talk to each and every one of us today about what is on his heart right now for this generation. So Luke 1.17, it is he, speaking of John the Baptist, who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. So right now we are living in the days where the spirit of Elijah, that same anointing that was on Elijah, is present on the earth today. Whether you realize it or not, it's here. So John came as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. So John came in the anointing of Elijah. And he came to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and to turn the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous, because he came to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I want you to notice a couple of things here. John came in the, before the, Jesus came. John preceded Jesus. This is a picture. Malachi chapter 4, I believe it is, talks about this too, that what John did, he came in the anointing of Elijah. And he came before Jesus came, and John's role was to prepare all the people around him so when Jesus came, they were ready. That same anointing is on the church today. We have that same holy calling. We are called like John under the anointing of Elijah to serve our generation. And our primary service is that we are preparing the people for the coming of the Lord. That's exciting, isn't it? Jesus is coming really soon. I know they've been saying it for a long time, but it gets truer every day. 
because every day it gets a little bit closer. And it could be tomorrow, it could be next week, next year, but I believe and I'm praying that it's in my lifetime. I want to be one of those that gets raptured, don't you? The grave, the grave you know, it, it's overrated. I want to be raptured. I want to be gone in the twinkling of an eye. I want to be, I want to be having my cornflakes for breakfast and all of a sudden I hear Jesus knocking on the door and he can come in and we get raptured with him. Imagine that, to meet him in the air and so we'll be with him forever. This is going to be the most amazing time but that's our job. We are preparing people for the coming of the Lord. And Jesus will not come until there's a certain type of people on, in the world that are a present, are a prize, are the inheritance for all the suffering of Jesus on the cross. He's coming for an overcoming bride. Amen. Yeah? He's coming for a people that are passionate about him, equal passion to him. A picture, a wedding, that the bride and the groom, there's got to be equal passion. So when the, the uh, groom is waiting at the front, waiting for the bride to come down the aisle, there has to be an equal weight of passion to make the wedding work. And if you've been to great weddings, you can see in the eyes of the groom and the bride, they are so in love with each other. The whole world is around this event. And so when Jesus comes, we will know that the bride has awakened their hearts to God. It's not just going through motions, but the worship, the praise, the anticipation is fever hot. Amen? And so there's this anointing that comes upon the people. It's called the spirit of Elijah. And what it does, it prepares God's people for the coming of the Lord. And so the way we will serve in this generation is tapping into this whole anointing that God is releasing on the planet right now. And all of our service will come out of the greater understanding of how we serve in our generation. We want to welcome those on live stream today as well on YouTube. It's great to have you here. God is going to speak a powerful word to you today. Amen? Amen. Amen. So fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, a people prepared for the Lord. God's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. See, there can be no Elijah anointing without Elisha. The two come hand in hand. And it's interesting that as I began to read through Luke chapter 1 into Luke chapter 4, that there's this whole message of God's people being prepared, of Elijah coming, the anointing of Elijah and Elisha. They're, they're, they're entwined. And so whenever you read about the spirit of Elijah coming, it's always connected to Elisha. The two go hand in hand, fathers and sons, mothers and daughters. There's a restoring of the two together before the Lord comes. Yes. Elijah was sent to feed the widows. Sorry, Elijah. Did I say Elijah? Elijah was sent to feed the widows and Elisha was sent to heal the lepers. Luke 4 tells us that. Elijah was sent to feed the widows. Elisha was sent to heal the lepers. Hmm, it's interesting. Elijah raised a child from the dead by stretching over the child three times. Do you remember that? The anointing of Elijah. Elijah sent to heal, sorry, to feed the widows. Elisha sent to heal the lepers. 
Elijah comes and he lays on a boy three times and the boy comes back to life. So we know that as we study the mantle that's on Elijah, it's an anointing to bring wholeness. Three times he lays on the boy, spirit, soul and body come alive again. The anointing on the fathers is to bring wholeness to their children. Elijah feeds the widow. Widows have no husbands. Their children have no fathers. Elijah has an anointing to feed and sustain and to bring wholeness to the body of Christ. Part of the role of the body of Christ in these end time uh, events, and particularly for those that are older in the Lord, is they will have an anointing from God to sustain and feed the upcoming generation. They will lay on this next generation and they'll revive them, spirit, soul, and body. They'll bring life to them. They'll bring to sustain. They'll be able to feed the widow. Those that feel like they're being cut off, those who have lost their inheritance. There's an anointing on the older generation to serve the younger generation. It's called the spirit of Elijah. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to the sons. Are you getting this? Because yeah. it teaches us how each generation and the generations that are on the earth today, and it's my conviction, and I could be totally wrong, and that's okay. But I think Jesus is coming back really soon. I think it's, it could be 10, 20, 30 years away. But, you know, don't freak out if you've got plans for another 40 years. You keep those plans. Uh, I hope God doesn't rob you, ruin all your plans if he comes too early. Sorry about that. But I really think that God's doing something in the generations today. And there's multiple generations. There's an older generation over 30. And there's a younger generation under 30. You know, and don't get hung up on the, on the age. But, but there, there's, there's this really clear generational thing that's happening in the body of Christ right now. So I'm going to talk first to the fathers, the older generation. Then I'm going to talk to the sons and daughters so to the fathers and mothers, the sons and daughters, how do you serve God in your generation? With the anointing that's on the earth today, the Elijah and the Elisha anointing. Is this making sense? All right. So Luke 1.17 says that he will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. And you know that when you read this, when you read fathers, it's not, not so much about the, the gender, but it's about... The, the calling. So women are fathers, men can be mothers. It's, it's, it's the calling. It's not the gender. You understand it, don't you? So it tells us here in Luke 1, and it says also in Malachi 4, if you read that, that the key to restoration is the hearts of the fathers are restored to the children and they are turned to each other, that there's a divine connection that takes place between the generations. And that's really important because... When I grew up, there was a disconnect between my generation and the generation before me. The generation before me, by and large, didn't know how the father of the generation coming up under them. And it, and it seems to me that there's been a massive shift in the body of Christ. There's been a whole wave of, of anointing coming that's brought revelation to cause us to see the power that a father has towards a child. It wasn't there in my day. You never heard anyone talking about fathering and sons and daughters and wholeness. It, it, was, it was never discussed. I can't remember it anyway. Uh, Mother, can you remember it? No, she says she can't remember it. 
It was the second coming of Jesus Christ, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and making sure you got to heaven and didn't end up in hell. But there's been a shift, and, and, and rightly so, because the absence of true fathers has caused a lot of dysfunction in the church. And so the anointing of, of Elijah, we call it the anointing of Elijah because it's an anointing that restores the hearts of the fathers back to the sons, that connects an older generation and their hearts become less self-centered and more focused on the generation that's, that's coming up underneath them. We heard the other week when Josh preached about Absalom that he uh, built a monument to himself. Uh, it's 2 Samuel 18, 18. It's an amazing verse if you get the time to read it. And it's, it's a warning to the older generation not to build a monument to themselves because we want to enforce ourselves onto the next generation. Did you hear that? I'm going to build something here to sustain who I am because Absalom realized that he had no sons. So I'm going to enforce the way I think and feel and the way I think church should be run. I'm going to enforce that on the older generation. So when I'm dead and gone, they will have this monument that they look to rather than discovering God for their generation. Yeah. Luke chapter 5 says that no one drinking old wine asks for the new wine. Because they say the old is good enough. Well, it's good enough for me. This is how we did church. This is how God moved. That you never spoke until you're 21 in the church. And all these young whippersnappers getting up and getting microphones and prophesying. And what's the world coming to? They're taking over the church. Not in my day. Everything was done decently in order. And, and, and we had respect. <laughs> and things weren't out of hand. And we sang different songs and they preached differently and I don't know what the church is coming to. No one after drinking old wine says the new one is better. They don't desire the new one because they're stuck in an old vintage. Wine skins have to be able to stretch to take the new wine. Old wine skins become hardened and they lose their ability to be pliable and so when the new things of God come... They're not able to sustain that because their paradigm is an old way of doing things. And many people have, have left even Pentecostal churches and gone to mainstream, what we call mainstream churches, because where God's moving is too radical for them. And the mainstream church of today mirrors the Pentecostal church of 40 years ago. Isaiah said, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. I'm going to do a new thing. It's springing up. Do you not perceive it? And that's the challenge. Do you perceive what God is doing in this generation? If you're going to serve this generation, you've got to be perceptive of what God's doing. And I say, if God wants to have 14,000 lights and strobe lights and, and people dancing on the stage and whatever it is, it's like... If it brings you glory, God, and it's done with a spirit of excellence and it's done out of a heart to love and serve you, I'm all for it. You know, church has never been about my music style or about anything to do with me. It's about, God, what are you doing in this generation? And I want to be a part of that. I want to be a father to what you're doing in this generation. 
So for the older ones, the, the fathers and mothers, we can choose to live with the power of the heart of Elijah or we can have that orphan mentality. And a lot of fathers and mothers, even here today, or those listening to my voice, you haven't been fathered. You grew up in a generation that didn't father. And there's a dysfunction even in your life. But God is healing your heart because he's preparing you to be a mother to this next generation. Some of you have been in a wilderness time, but it's not a bad thing. You know, often God puts us in the wilderness because he wants to father us. When there's no father or mother to father us, then God places us in the wilderness. He says, I will be your father and I will be your mother. And if there are spiritual leaders that haven't known how to father and mother you, God will take you out of that. He will put you in. And I'm not saying that God takes people out of church, but I'm saying relationally, emotionally, spiritually, he will put you in a place where he will father and mother you and bring you to wholeness because his passion is for this generation that is coming up, that they will be fathered and they will be mothered and they will be powerful in God. And they will be coming together of both generations, this generation and the one to come, the fathers and the sons, the mothers and the daughters. Amen. Elijah had to be fathered by God because God wanted Elijah to be like him. Amen. And there weren't a lot of fathers in Elijah's time, so God said, come with me and I'll teach you how to father this next generation. Because there's an Elisha coming, and Elijah, you need to be fathered so you can father Elisha. Elisha's coming and he's going to shift everything. Elisha shifts everything in government. He shifts kings and nations. He has this holy calling to shake the very nations. And it's imperative that Elijah is able to father Elisha. The Bible says, 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. And this, this generation, my generation, the father generation, may fear losing their place. We've worked hard. I paid for all this stuff. These young kids come with that and paid for anything. The freeloaders come in their ripped jeans and piercings and tattoos freeloaders. I'm the one that's done all the hard work. I've prayed for flipping 50 years for all this revival. And by Joe, if they're going to leapfrog me and get up on the stage and give a prophetic word, get down, whippersnapper. Do you know what I mean? That's the attitude. You can see that thoughts cross my mind, can't you? I did that too well. The father generation may fear losing their place. Well, what, where, where will I, what will be my role? Will I still have a place in the kingdom if all these young people come up and we start giving them opportunity? And the new generation can have fear as well. They fear that the older generation are going to control them and hold them down and restrict the expression that they have in the body of Christ. But here's the key. We're not competing with one another. We're being fulfilled by one another. The children, I need the children to be fulfilled as a father. Can't be a father without children. And the children need the fathers to be children because you can't have children without a father. (laughs) 
I don't know if you remember, but a number of years ago, we had a prophetess come. Her name was Barbie Brethet. And she prophesied, and I'll just read a little bit of her prophecy. She said, I see that, and she's speaking over this church. And I don't just believe it's this church, but I believe it's the body of Christ. But particularly us. <laughs> she said, I see that there's going to be a transference of part of your mantle that will come. She was prophesying over me, but as a picture of fathers and mothers. And that you will raise up others with the same DNA. And this will be a house that's going to be a mother of Zion and a father of Zion. That's a term in scripture. It's like the mother of the house and the father of the house. To where you are going to have the spirit of Elijah that will rest here. And it will empower young people to be able to reach their potential. Are you hearing this? And you are going to see in that day... So you'll see in the day of God's power, resting in this place, that there will be signs, wonders, and miracles. I believe that signs, wonders, and miracles in the body of Christ will be fulfilled in their fullness when the sons and the fathers and the daughters and the mothers come together generationally. And there's also going to be a healing revival that will take place here where even hospitals are going to bring the incurable. And you're going to have a specific section in the back where they're going to be able to bring them in, waiting for the angel of the Lord to come and release healing. You're going to have many resurrections, many people healed, especially of cancer and terminal diseases. Yes, Lord! It's going to be a place of healing because God is releasing the river of healing of the nations. He's releasing the healing of the nations. Underline that in your mind. I saw where lights would come and there would be planes and they appeared as lights flying in from nations of the world. And others are going to come here to copy the prototype and the model that God is releasing here. Sons and fathers, daughters and mothers. So for everyone that's over 30 here today, thereabouts, you're a father, you're a mother. And I say to you by the Spirit of God that there is a mandate, an anointing on you to raise up this next generation without any fear of losing your place. You will never lose your place. There is always a need for fathers and mothers. If only you could realize how much sons and daughters cry out to be loved and believed in by fathers and, son, uh, and mothers. Fathers and mothers will never lose their place. And it's not about you and it's not about me. It's not about me preaching every week. In fact, no doubt, the longer it goes, the less I'm probably going to preach here. Because there'll be others. But the daughters and the sons need the fathers and the mothers to believe in them. I grew up in a generation where they didn't believe. They just did not believe in them. They just saw everything that was wrong about them. And they didn't see, they weren't looking for the spark of God inside them. They're just looking for 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 the place of darkness to call out and to berate us and belittle us and make us feel that we didn't belong. There was no place for young people, no place. My heart rejoices to see that in this house is a place for young people to feel like this is their house. This is their church. They belong here as much as anyone else. They have a voice. They have a right. They hear God as well as we do. They have a ministry. And I walk out there and I see 
our children and our youth prophesying and having prophetic booths and praying for the sick. I say, do it, Lord. I see young people praying for the old. I honour the older people in this house that would allow, that would lower their own pride and allow young people to speak into their lives and believe that the young people have a word of the Lord for them in this hour. I honour you for doing that because in many houses, people don't do that. They don't allow young people to have a voice. They don't believe that they could hear from God. But in this house, we believe that young people can hear from God. We believe that God has an amazing mandate for this generation. If you can hear my voice in any nation of the world, this generation that is being born right now has an amazing calling on its life. And my generation are here to help you succeed. Amen? Give the Lord a hand. Come on, give him a big hand. All right, so we're halfway home. Sons and daughters, fathers and mothers, sons and daughters. And he says, Luke 1, 17, and the disobedient, that's you, sons and daughters, <laughs> to the attitude of the righteous. Well, there's always a little bit of disobedience in sons and daughters. It's part of growing up, isn't it? That the attitude of the righteous, the older, that would nurture them and help them in the ways of the Lord. But it's interesting about the anointing that is on this generation. It's profound. Elijah was called to feed widows. Elisha was sent to heal lepers. So what's the deal, God? Elisha lays on a boy and the boy comes back to life and he sneezes seven times. It's just... That's one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. It's so profound that there's a generation arising that will lie over the earth and the earth will sneeze seven times and come back to life. That's the anointing on this generation that they're going to revive something that's been dead. It will sneeze seven times and come back to life. Elisha is called to heal lepers. Now, I did a little bit of study because I've had a few days at home. And the Hebrew word for leprosy is related to a word that means trouble and affliction. In fact, the madras, I think, is that how you pronounce it? It's a rabbinic commentary on the biblical text. But it teaches that the root cause of this disease, listen, is an evil tongue. And it's characterized by gossip and slander. Malachi 4 says that God's going to restore the hearts of the fathers to the sons, lest he strike the earth with a curse. And we'll see later on that the trees, that bring healing to the nations. It's the leaves of the trees that bring healing to the nation. And a leaf is always a picture of the tongue. There's going to come a prophetic word out of this generation that's going to heal the nations as we lay upon the earth and we begin to prophesy, it's going to come back to life. Why did the Jews think that leprosy was connected to slander, to, to gossip? Because I think it's because of Miriam that her critical words over Moses landed her in a bunch of leprosy. And they've always connected the two together that 
So when Elisha is called to heal the lepers, there's an anointing on this generation that will begin to heal all the slander and all the negativity and all the curse that has been that has covered the earth for the last thousands of years. And in this generation, they're going to realize the power of the spoken word to bring the earth back to life again. That's the anointing upon them. Now, it's really interesting that I say this because you may have noticed that last week, on September the 29th, was Rosh Hashanah. Did you know that? Rosh Hashanah is... The changing of the calendar for the Jews and for us as, as English or Western world, we don't always place a lot of value on numbers and calendars, but for the Jew, it's the way they think. And so tied into the Hebrew calendar is an understanding that God moves in cycles and seasons. And every generation is to understand the season that they're in. Now, I've said that we're in a season the generations of Elijah and Elisha. And the season of Elisha is the ability to speak to the leper and bring wholeness to their life. Is that making sense? Yeah. So have a think about this. Can we have that picture on the, on the screen? We've gone from the decade of uh, 5770, which is Ayin, which was the decade of seeing. Ayin, which, which is the letter 70, uh, uh, sorry, the letter that's equal to the number 70 was all about from 2010 to 2020. Did I get that right? Yes. And so we had a whole decade where God was causing us to see differently. Did you notice in the, over the last 10 years there has been an incredible, and you don't have to make, you just watch, incredible increase in the understanding that every single believer has an ability to be prophetic, to see in the spirit, to prophesy. There's been, you know, increase of dreams and visions. We're beginning to see things that we've never seen before. That was the decade of Aeon. But what is really interesting, last week we clicked over into a new decade. Yes, I know ours, the Western world, starts at the end of this year. But for the Jews, they began last week. And so they're looking ahead for the next 10 years and the decade 5780 is pronounced by this letter Pei. Pei is, is equal to the number 80 in the Hebrew alphabet. Now what's interesting about Pei, Ayin was the number for vision or sight. Pei is the number for your mouth or speaking. And I'm saying that we're raising up a generation now, the Elisha anointing, that has the authority to speak over the nation and bring it back to life. Amen. Speak to the seven mountains of society. So the boy sneezed seven times. And what was inside him that had been buried came out. When you sneeze, what's inside you is expelled out. What's been hidden over the last 10 years, there's a lot of things being seen and hidden. Is about to be decreed and spoken out over our nation. And this generation particularly has an anointing and an authority to speak over our nation and over our city. And as they speak, things are shifted forever. This is the generation we're walking into. 
Pay is the decade of the mouth. It's a decade of speaking what you're seeing. You will speak what you see and you will see then what you speak. Did you hear that? You will speak what you see inside and then what you speak you will see on the outside. Moses was 80, so pay is the number 80, or has a numerical value of 80. Moses was 80 when he led Israel out of Egypt. And he said, let my people go free. And a whole nation was delivered. I'm telling you, in this next 10 years, you will see an increase of authority over the generations to speak the revealed word of the Lord and see the captive set free. Pay represents mouth. And do you notice that inside this pay is a letter? So you can take that letter. So that letter on the right is bet. It's another letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And pay is the only Hebrew letter in the alphabet that has another letter inside it. So you can literally take the bet and place it inside pay. Can you see that? It's actually like a jigsaw puzzle. One fits inside the other. It's like pay is pregnant with another letter. Pay has a baby. A baby is a promise. And so when we line up our mouth with the things that are hidden on the inside of us, with the promises of God, with the things that we've seen, we will speak and they shall be created. The letter bet literally is in the shape of a tent and it means house of creation. So we speak forth of hidden things and as we speak them forth, that which is hidden is created on the outside. God is giving us a picture for this next 10 years that he's about to release what's been inside us in a whole new way. Yeah. Does that excite anybody? There are dreams and visions on the inside of me that I've been carrying for a long time. And I just sense in my spirit that as I begin to speak, what's inside me is going to be released in a profound way. Wow. So the first thing I would say to this son generation, use the power of your creative words to restore and to build according to God's plan. I said to my kids this week, I asked the Lord once, am I part of your plan for the end time generation? And he says, my plan is to find people who think they're part of my plan. <laughs> right. It's profound, isn't it? Yeah. But it's true. Yeah. And I think I'm part of his plan. He says, you'll do. You'll do. I'm just looking for someone that believes I have a plan. Because most of the church don't think I have a plan. They think it's all too hard. God's going to restore the nations. And as much as when Elisha laid on the boy and he sneezed seven times, that was a prophetic sign that God has a plan that's going to touch seven aspects of society. I could give you so many illustrations of that. Samson with his seven locks. Nahum as he you know, dips seven times. It's right through the Bible. God's got a plan for the end times. And the second thing I want to say to the sons, and I'll try and do this really quickly. Is that all right? Yeah. Oh. Sons, is that all right? Yeah. Thank you. He says, I'm going to bring the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous. 
See, the attitude of the righteous first is they speak. They've learnt the power of their mouth. So God's aligning, God's teaching this next generation the power of their words, the creative power to bring life. We're in a generation that's spewing out hopelessness through the media, through the songs. And this generation is going to bring hope because they're going to know the power of the word of the Lord to set the prisoners free. But the second thing that's going to happen for the sons and daughters, they're going to understand this profound principle that's seen between Elijah and Elisha, that submission is the position. Submission is the position. And honour releases anointing. This is a generation that's going to understand better than any other generation before us. And I decree this, the power of honouring the preceding generation. My generation didn't honour well the preceding generation. But you know what? Because this generation, my generation, have had a heart change, have discovered what it means to be fathered, even in the wilderness. Our sons and daughters are going to reap the reward of that. And they're going to discover the power. They're going to, it's going to be easy for them to honour their fathers and mothers because their fathers and mothers love them more than themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So submission is the position. Elijah tells Elisha, after Elisha said, I'd like, I'd like, you know, I'd like a double portion. It's like these, these little whippersnappers, you know. I'd like to prophesy in your church, Pastor. I'd like a position in the church, you know, this young generation. I want to be used of God. It's a good thing. Elisha says, I want a double portion. Oh, I'm praying for hungry young sons and daughters. They say, Andrew, you know, I want to preach twice as good as you. I want to see twice as many miracles. I want to do twice as more. I want to write twice as many books. I want to be twice the person you are. I hunger for that. Go for it. Be better than me. And Elijah says to Elisha, you've asked for a great thing. And if you're here... When the Lord takes me, you can have it. So at each stop along the way, Elijah says to Elisha, just, just, you've gone far enough. Just stay. He's testing him to see whether he will follow all the way. Say with me, all the way. All the way. And Elisha says, I'm not stopping. I'm coming all the way. Yeah. And here's the thing. When the mantle first fell on Elisha, Elisha experienced the call of God. So young people, when God first comes upon you and you sense this holy calling and this purpose and destiny, that's a great thing. You've been called. Congratulations. That's a good start, isn't it? You need to be called. I remember when I was first called. It was an amazing time. It seems like God called me over and over that weekend to the surprise of everybody at that camp. I couldn't find my way further down the back than I could, and yet God still called me over and over. I think the whole camp was quite put out because you've surely made a mistake. But when Elisha was called, he rearranged everything in his life to follow Elijah so he would be there for the process of the preparation in his life. And here's the thing, if you run off with an experience of being called with this mantle that you think you have, thinking that will turn into a double portion, you are severely deluded. You have a calling, not a mantle. 
You've sensed God call you, but that's all it is. And if you run off with that and think, right, I'm going to right now go and plant my own church, do my own thing. I don't need any fathers and mothers in my life. You are quite deluded. You have a calling and that's it. It's good, but that's it. You are now, the greatest thing now is the ability to follow Elijah until the preparation is complete. And for sons and daughters in this hour, for you to carry the authority that you will need in this hour, because you will come up against spiritual resistance, you will come up against incredible battles, you will need to be fully prepared by fathers and mothers in the faith that have gone through the mill, gone through the fire, gone through the testing, and they are still here rejoicing. Don't be prepared by a father or mother that's a grump. You want a father and mother that's victorious, that's gone through the fire and come out the other side and says, I still believe. You think, well, I'm anointed. I got it. I got the calling. I I felt the goosebumps. I, I had the prophecy. I'm marked by God. I felt, I felt it when I was plowing with the ox. You know, the God came as a mantle and I, it was amazing. I journaled about it. It's mine. But here's the thing, without following, all you'll ever do is plow. You'll never plant. You'll dig up the ground, but you won't have the ability to plant and bring a harvest. You'll make a lot of noise and a lot of activity. So Elijah, Elisha knew that without following, he'd be able to plow because he was following the ox, but he'd never be able to plant unless he followed Elijah, because Elijah carried the seed. The ox carried fertilizer. And whoever you follow determines what you plant. And if you don't follow a true father or mother, you'll never plant according to the kingdom. If you follow ox, you'll get fertilizer. You'll plow the ground, but you won't plant seed. And so when you follow someone, you experience the mantle through the person that you follow. And you're being tested not so much for your calling, but for your ability to follow. And so for this generation, God will put you under fathers and mothers, and he'll put you in a, even at times, like a straightened place, because he's not testing your calling, your calling, your gifts and the callings are without repentance. When you're called, you're called. That's not the issue. The issue is, can you follow after you're called? Will you put yourself under the leadership and the mentorship of somebody that carries seed and as you follow them, you pick up the ability to take this seed and bring a harvest? You can experience a mantle, but to wear it, you've got to follow. So Elijah didn't leave the mantle on a farmer. He left his mantle on a son of inheritance. And so the challenge for this generation is to get under somebody and follow them and serve them and say, I will not let you go. I am not staying here. I want everything that you have and I will follow you and I will serve with you and I will honour you because I recognise that you carry something that I need. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And my generation had to go to the wilderness to be fathered by God and do it all ourselves. And it's not the way of the kingdom. Elisha is the way of the kingdom. Fathers begetting sons who beget sons who beget sons. 
Elijah had to do it tough. He cried out to God, am I the only one left? He had, had delusions of all sorts of stuff. He went through so much trouble and, and, and that wasn't what God had purposed for him. But what he did was he prepared his heart as a father to release Elisha into the fullness of his calling. So sons and daughters, you have a calling from God, but now you have a responsibility to follow after the fathers and mothers in the house until what they carry is yours. You can follow after fertilizer or seed. You can be one that plows ground and sees no fruit, or you can be one that sows seeds and gets a harvest. Fathers to sons, sons to fathers. Mothers to daughters, daughters to mothers. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Matthew 17, 10, as we close, tells us that when Elijah comes, he will restore all things. The promise from God to the son is that the son will sit at his right hand until all his enemies have made his footstool. The promise, Isaiah said, that your kingdom will be an ever-increasing kingdom. Did you hear this? To make a people prepared for the Lord, the Lord's coming back for a people that have learned how to rule and reign, and it will come as the generations begin to serve God in the way he's called them, as we serve God in our generation. David served God in his generation and set up Solomon for the greatest reign that any king had ever had. You are called to serve God in your generation. Fathers and mothers, you are called, and you must make a commitment to this next generation that I will lay down my agendas and my fears, and I will see you succeed. Sons and daughters, you must serve God in this generation. I will honor the fathers and the mothers and all that God has placed in them. I will honor, I will take, and I will multiply in my generation. We are preparing a people for the coming of the Lord. Amen. 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 So, fathers and mothers, lift up your hands. If you're a father and a mother, just lift up your hand. And sons and daughters, why don't you turn around and stretch your hands out towards them? And we ask, Father, by the Spirit of the living God, that you would increase our capacity to father and mother this generation. May we see what you see when you look at this generation. May we see it through hope-filled eyes. May we be the ones that nurture this generation and believe in this generation and that we make room for this generation, that we're not, we're not old wineskins that are... That are, that are inflexible, filled with fear, filled with this thought that we would lose our spot. But we say over our lives, there will always be room for fathers and mothers in your plan. And we just decree over our lives today, Lord, that our desire is to serve in our generation. And we ask this, Lord, use us for your glory. And even as we serve this next generation, let your holy anointing flow through us. Let us be the model of, of faith 
and commitment and passion and the gifts of the Spirit and the, and the anointing of your Spirit, like Elijah who moved so powerfully in signs and wonders that the Elisha generation was propelled to do the same. Lord, may they look at us and be inspired by our lifestyle. We ask in Jesus' name. Now all the sons and daughters lift your hands and the mothers and fathers reach out your hands towards them. And we pray, Lord, today for the sons and daughters, not just here, but right across the earth, Lord, that you would raise up sons and daughters that know how to follow, that know how to pursue, that know how to honour, that know how to take what's in the heart of the father and mother and to nurture that, to honour that, and then multiply that. May there be, Lord, such a, an awareness over their life that they were born for this time, that they are significant in this role of preparing a people ready for the Lord. Lord, I pray that as they speak, that the whole earth would begin to shift like Elisha when he laid on the boy and he sneezed seven times. I pray that as they lay over nations and cities and cultures and, and mountains, as they lay over them, they would have great faith to speak and see everything shift. They will speak to this mountain and it will be removed and cast into the sea. They will be ones that speak and, and things are shifted in the foundations. They would know what it means that not one word like the prophet Samuel falls to the ground. We pray for the sons and daughters. Anoint their words. May they be ones that speak blessing and life to our city and to the nation, Lord, I pray. And Lord, we pray right now that there would be a coming, everyone lift up your hands, a coming together of the generations. There would be an alignment, Lord God, of the, nation, of, of the generations, that they would come together as one. They would serve you in, in their generation. There would be, Lord, a, an understanding of how you work in this day. Lord, we thank you that you are committed to preparing our people ready for the Lord. And we give you all the honour today in Jesus' name. So why don't you just give the Lord a hand today. We thank you, Jesus.